Welcome back to Not The Garage Shared Podcast. This is the Base Hive Hivecast. I've been invited down to Garage Shared HQ for this podcast and my guest today. Uh, the male in line uh, called him a handsome male. He is DJ, producer and chocolate orange enthusiast. <laughs> it's uh, Mr. Gavin Ford. The Daily Mail did call me handsome, that's right. Yeah, good, good, yeah. good research. That is, that is the top research. of my research. Um, you've recently done a guest mix for us. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about me. yes. So thank you for being the first one. We're going to d- talk about the guest mix. We're going to talk about garage shed. We're going to talk about four and a couple of things on this wall as well. Um, we're here in Southampton, in your HQ, um, and you've got a whole little workspace and studio here. How did you sort of find this space and develop it to be a sort of this multi-purpose area? Uh, well, about before four, we've done lots of different things. But we had successful clothing brands and we literally rented out like just behind that bit, which you can't see behind the door is like a bit that's about about the size of this desk. Literally, that was just where we kept the clothes and shelved them out. And there used to be a whole marketing company across this whole thing. And we were just in the corner because you used to share this with uh, another company. Yeah. Taking it over. We've taken it over like during lockdown. Yeah, they've all got well, the marketing company went years ago. And then me and my friend who we run, uh, shout out to Lee Murray, who we run the clothing company with, he is a graphic designer, he does all of our logos. He We took it over for the graphic design business and the clothes business and then he took over it and we just had the studio at the end and just had a desk here where we just did general four stuff. And then, yeah, like he's moved to Spain now and it's all ours. What I found um, doing some research is that you kind of behind the scenes in way more things than I realised you were, and obviously uh, being the front man of four, as well as behind the scenes on Garage Shared, Yosh, and all these other projects, clothing that you've got going on. Um, at one time, you were just Gavin Ford. So how does one man <laughs> become the person behind all of these different? Uh, these enterprises, if you like, how how where did it start? What was the first? But the first, what well, the first, the first music, well the first, well the first ever brand or logo thing was we were in a, me and John, who's also in four, we had a group called CLSM, which was a hardcore group. Did your research show that? Didn't see that. No, that's that's because you had a different name in that, so you got that would have been really impressive oh, if you okay, found that. Okay. So we had a group called CLSM, and we run that together, um, and we run a record label. This is when vinyls were still about, and we got, we did really well with, as well as you can with hardcore, but we had the first hardcore record we played on Radio 1 in like 15 years, number nine in John Peel's Festive 50, ahead of, um, what's that? Uh, Seven Nation Army. We were one ahead of them in that chart that year. Um, yeah, we had, and we got, we started a movement that got hardcore onto Radio One, the Kutsky show that was pioneered. What was John was led the movement, but obviously CLSM was he was real passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So got that. So that was our first thing, and then we stopped that because vinyl sales stopped, and we couldn't figure out how it was going to make enough money for two people to survive making hardcore with. We didn't get many gigs from it, and vinyl sales was kept us going. So 
So you and John started out and you've always worked together from then until now. Yeah, we met in 1996. How soon or long after that was four formed? We did first LSM record in 2002 and then stopped probably 2005, 2004. And then I got, um, I was general manager of a nightclub. I wanted to buy, I wanted to buy a flat my um before my nan died she's she's the one who supported my dj so i wanted to show her that you know things are going to be all right so i've got a normal job as normal as you can for me so a general manager of a nightclub paying tax and not of course i paid tax on the cls7 obviously of course i did but you know what i mean like a proper job so i could show proper earnings and like monthly yeah. thing to get a flat and took a break from it and then i become being a general manager of a nightclub the owner of the nightclub used to DJ. Then I started buying his records for him because I used to work in a record shop. That's where me and John met. We both used to work at the same record shop. And I used to buy his records for him to DJ. This, he's an R&B DJ, though. And then I just used to start DJing for him because he was, he was just rubbish. So I started DJing R&B, but I like just knew the records from buying them. wasn't really my thing. And then just become like commercial DJ well an R&B DJ then I did because the other things that I do student nights and then I was DJing like seven nights a week so music's always been the goal yeah get into music industry has it always been the performance side or the production coming later production was production was first because when we were in the record shop like me John and James Abila and James Abila like went on to become like one of the best DJs in the world John made music this was before I knew him. I used to buy his records in the record shop. There used to be a studio upstairs and a guy called Mr. Punch, Steve, used to teach me how to use the equipment. And then it was always like, oh, what what, what are you going to do, Gavin? What are you going to do? Because like, I thought, this is when James Abila was, used to watch him DJ. I used to think, was, James Abila just used to be the resident at a club called Rhino, which is just like a normal local club. So I, I used to watch him DJ in the shop and think, well, if this guy is just, is this what, how good you have to be to be a local resident? There's no way I'm going to be able to DJ because this guy's incredible. Obviously, years down the line, he become one of the best DJs in the world. So then I thought, all right, okay. So I actually stopped DJing. I thought, I'm not going to do it because I'm not nowhere near good enough. So they're like, what are you going to do? So that's when I started promoting. The, the shop used to run, a hardcore DJ called Hixie used to own the shop and we used to own an event called Adrenaline. So I started to run, book the DJs and promote that. Um, this is when I was like 17, 18. And so I learned how to promote. And then still learning production upstairs, still learning bits and bobs, bits and bobs. Then when CLSM started, I would promote the records and run the record label. John would make the records. Then I started making versions of our records. And then throughout... All this managing and stuff, I always stayed in the studio whilst making the thing, making edits of records to play at gigs, making, um, I worked with some, like, some songwriters, I learned how to write songs, and then we went on and were on and snowballed from there, and to go back to where it got to four in 2009, I heard, I saw Andy C DJ again, Andy C's my favourite DJ at school when I was coming up, and it made me excited about underground music again. 
and then I heard Fidget. Do you remember what Fidget was? No. You know, Crookers Day and Night. Yes. Yeah. That's Fidget. It was like electro. It was, it was energetic, sort of. I just thought it was energetic house music, like. And I thought, oh, I like this. I'd like to make this. So me and John started making that. Then we started making dubstep. And then, um, to know, you know, not we made some good records, but not really getting anywhere. I didn't know, still didn't know how to release records digitally. Mm. You told a story um, recently on the Four YouTube uh, vlog about seeing Andy C at a petrol station yeah, when yeah. you were a kid yeah, after yeah. a show, and then you had then. Followed them, uh, uh, Andy. Say you played after him at a festival. So what was that sort of moment like? Cause that narrative. Well, playing at the festival. Playing at the festival after Andy C, who was your favourite or is your favourite? Yeah, that's in think? in a in a massive park in Southampton, like a park. We used to walk walk through. We used to walk through that park every day because from the record shop to the owners used to take the takings down to the owner, which is walking through that park, and then we were playing in that park with Andy C. And we got the same manager as Andy C. Um, which had nothing to do with the booking, to be fair. But Andy C, like, never met him before. He knew who we were. He stayed and watched, which made me very nervous. I messed up a mix. <laughs> <laughs> like, but he stayed and he, dan- like, I, wouldn't call it, I don't know if he'd call it dancing, but he moved about a bit. And he was talking to Ty, right? Like it was just. Yeah, you see him in the video interacting with Ty on stage. It, so. it it was just an amazing moment, and it's it's moments like that that make you remember why you, why you do why you do this because music's hard. Yeah. yeah. So you you on stage there uh, with the whole group, and then you've got these people supporting you as well. Big names like Andy C. I mentioned we mentioned Tyrone as well. When did he sort of join the group? Because at the minute, we're up, you and John, making dubstep. So when does it develop <laughs> okay. into well, the Well, to go from there to where Tyrone is, is we were making dubstep, and we still we had the stu- studio here, and then I started making Gavin Ford solo records, which were drum and bass records. And my f- friend was the same was manager of Getz and Rude Kid. Okay. He's my best friend. So he gave me some Getz remix. I did a drum and bass remix of Getz tune, which is really good, actually. I can't find it anywhere. It's not online. I've got it somewhere. I've got the file. It's really good, um, if I do say so myself. Um, and we were doing that. And then Rude Kid done a version of I'm Sorry, the garage tune, which or the Joel Corey tune, if you want to call it that now. <laughs> um, and he'd done this remix, and Phil said, can you do a remix of it? And at, in our studio, Aki and Dave used to rent the bottom of the studio and I was helping them with a house project, house and garage project called Ape Like. And I knew that this had to be a house record. I was doing drum and bass, so I was like, oh, do you want to, we all do this remix together? And that remix went, went mental. It became the main version. It became our thing. It got played on all sorts of radio. It almost got signed. And then that's how it started. And then that's... And that was the four, me, Aki, Dave and John. And then Tyrone come along. Tyrone released a record on our label. And we used to bring him out to do the record at the shows. Because he's based the same area as you, Southampton. Yeah, yeah. So he would come out and do... He'd start to come to the shows to do it. And then we'd bring him out. And then 
obviously he's such a good host. You just would go, okay, we'll bring him back on for this and bring him back on for that. And then we had another MC, Juki, at the time. And it's like, oh, we'll just have two MCs. And then we rebranded a bit with with me and Aki at two DJs, two MCs. And then we went along like that for, for a bit. And then Tyrone just, you know, he, he's a amazing, amazing host. And he, you know... We watch every set on the way. We watch, we film every set. We watch them on the way back. Watch there. We're always working on how to improve it, how to thing. He works really hard. Like he's obviously social media presence. So he just, you know, he's worked himself into. So that's interesting that you take that much time to look into each live show, and you really see them as performances rather than just getting up and playing playing a set and being done with it. We want it to be. We always wanted it to be visual wanted it to be something that people could, you know, listen to, but also there's something going on. So always what, you know, he always strives to be like a presence on stage and, you know, and we want to we want to have things where it's, you know, working together. Like, don't, don't want it to be like um, just going along with what I'm doing. Obviously, some of that is that, but also some bits, you know, where it's incorporated. We want it to be a show, like everything. It was always going to be a show. The first gig we ever did was a festival and I brought out singers and trumpet players and and that's always how I've wanted it to be like or how what it for to be is like a show like a sure. and always wanted to include everyone and anyone all your shows do have the feel of like a proper feel good party and the one that springs to mind is the boomtown set yeah uh, from the most was it most recent boomtown uh, yeah sadly it was yeah cuz yeah. it was cancelled last year what was that experience like? Because the vibe in that arena, uh, for every set I saw, whoever was playing, whether it was you, Virgin, were you there? Garage Girls, I wasn't, but I was, I was, I was <laughs> oh, sat at watch, home oh, watching the videos okay, uh, cool. very sadly. Um, it seemed like that atmosphere was amazing that day in your set. You brought all the bass line, drum and bass, everything. Yeah, it was... We did two sets that day and we turned up and... When we turned up, the the room that arena wasn't open because it was so windy. The winds were like thing, and it was a risk. So everything was set got put back. We were worried it wasn't going to open. So there was literally uh, not long before you watched that video. There was no one in there. It was when it opened. When I when we got there, it was just me, Virgie, Bush Baby stood in that massive thing. You see, look, look at watching. I can't remember who was playing. And I was like, oh. That was like the big one. The other one was Job Center, and then it got pushed back, and yeah, that it filled up, and I, f- and it just got busier and busier and busier, and because I knew I was doing the Job Center, which was small, I was like, well, I'm going to make this one, uh, you know, this it's a big crap. I'm going to go to like, yeah, go I'm going to play the, I'm going to this is I'm going to do everything and everything, but also like. Everyone's sets got reduced because of the thing, but they just didn't weren't stopping us. Like I was looking for the last one, and the current story just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going, and, kept going and yeah, it was it was un- unbelievable. So as for releasing of music, for while they on the release one had a quiet year last year, you also had arguably one of your biggest releases mm-hmm. with Fresh, which was not as new as it people may think that record's been around for quite a while now hasn't it yeah it's 2017 isn't it 2017 but how come oh no three it's three years ago three 
almost exactly three years old. We finished. It was the last track to be made on the Friends of Four album. And then it got. Well, was it ever released initially, or was it? Yeah, it come out on the Friends of Four album. Re-released after being signed, and what people may have heard it from was the Cause Light advert. Yeah. How does it go from the last track on an album to being your biggest hit? If I knew, I'd do it for. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's just luck. We we've actually tried to find out how it come about, but they we got an email to our generic like we are for at gmail dot com saying, "Oh, could we use your song in an advert? We want to use your song." Send it on to the manager. Like this is probably a waste of time. Like, but you got to look into it. And then he come back and said, "I don't think it is a waste of time." I said, "All right, cool. We were up for it." come back and he goes oh I think this is a big company they won't say who it is I was like alright cool and then we started the ne- negotiation and stuff and literally didn't know anything about it and then like the 4th of January last year they went yeah it's happening it's coming it's going to come out in February They're, we're good to it's, it's happening and it's cause light and we're like what Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah <laughs> we're like like mental so what was the, the like the first time you saw that ad on TV we all watched it around Aki's house. It's just fucking... It's just unbelievable, isn't one it? one of those moments. Yeah, it was like before... It was before a Man United game or something. Yeah. It's, it's like... um, It's... It, to, to be honest, like... You say about the Andy C moment being a great moment. Like, you never think you're going to have an advert before a Man United game. So you, you don't even think, oh, this is what it's all about. You think... You just... I don't believe it now. Like... <laughs> When I watch 4OD and it comes up on that, I keep thinking, like, I keep looking around thinking, like, it's... Your phone started playing. Yeah, like, like <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's mental. But, yeah, it's, it's great. But, yeah, it's meant... Um, it meant that we couldn't release anything because of the nature of signing a, a deal. And we had a tune... We have a tune called Ninja Bike that was going to be signed after it. But then Heady One released a song the same sample in literally right. just as it, the contract was about to go through so they pulled out so we've had in the last two years since the friends of four album i think we've had three records collapse like get through to the thing and then not happen ninja bite twice so it's it takes up a lot of, like these l- labels don't move quickly so you it takes up so much time. You go, well, this is happening, this is happening, then it stops. You have to regroup and stuff. So that's why it's been quiet. It's it's frustrating. Yeah, it must be a really hard sort of thing to deal with, especially if you've got everything ramped up to go and then at the last minute it gets uh, taken away from you. How how's everyone's reaction like to bounce back from that within the group? Because you by no means have just sat down and kept quiet. We went to someone's birthday. Warbs' birthday, I think. And we went out for Warbs' birthday. Aki chucked macaroni and cheese all over himself. <laughs> <laughs> and we were celebrating his birthday and half celebrating the finally getting into because people want Ninja Bike and we want to release it. But it's already been signed by it's the labels that are coming in for it are massive labels, so it's got potential. So you know it's going to be a big record because so many labels want it, but it keeps falling down. So we're celebrating his birthday and then we got into the car after the thing and turned the radio on and there's this premiere of this Heady One song. 
And I was like, I was think, I said, this is this will be the end of it. Like they won't they won't touch it now. And you hadn't heard anything at the time either, I assume. No. So yeah, then it then it fell apart, and then it's like, so I don't know when it what. It's probably September time, but you're September October, and you you know it's to get to that stage of get, saying the contract stage. It takes ages to get to that point, so you can imagine how long the thing, and then it stops, and it's like, um, what do you do? What do you do next? So, we've yeah we've we've got a new we've got a new single and it's ready to go, but now we have problems with shooting videos and stuff because of lockdowns and. So it's it's a real tough time for musicians and artists at the moment. But as I said, you haven't just sat down and done nothing. You've been working tirelessly on the Garage Shed, the Yosh brands, building them up and increasing your roster of artists. If we take it back, we'll talk about Garage Shed because that's who you did the mix on behalf of. Um, four, a few years ago, we're right at the top of the garage scene. Three words yep. in the biggest track, and that was... Uh, in dance charts that was being played on Radio 1 regularly. Um, so fourth, have a background in Garage as well. Mm -hmm. Is that linked to the starting of the Garage label, the want to start a Garage label? Uh, we did Pure Garage before that, which is like the biggest Garage compilation. Like it was originally EZ. Yeah, EZ yeah. used to it's the big. It's the world's biggest selling Garage compilation. Um, that's how we know about Garage. Me and Aki first heard Garage on these albums so we brought that back and it was when we were putting that together because it's 60 tracks you had to put together at that time there wasn't a lot there wasn't as much garage as there is now we think we found 120 garage records that we we had to really really dig to get 120 and 60 and the last cd was quite baseline because there just wasn't 60 garage records that we could get at that time but that introduced us to Select uh, Black Habit, loads of other producers that we like. Well, these produce they these producers are amazing. Um, Select have done a remix of Sammy Portune called True Colors, which is still a great record. Black Habit had done an original, but we, I spoke to, like we we started speaking to them, and they were like, we basically sort of said, "Oh, well, I could write songs for for you, and we can release them." And we wanted to build a garage scene. So we wanted to take these producers and sort of give them vocals and start. It was like we were, we were trying to be the forefront of the garage revival, which is what they said when we do the thing. Well, that must have been a, a horrible task initially because having garage being so big in the 90s and early 2000s and then the scene kind of dropping off completely, you had to build that from the ground up. Well, the problem is, is the scene didn't drop off completely. It's still all the big, luck and neats, artful dodgers, Lisa Mafia, still get booked every week. Well, when clubs are open, got booked every week. So that's the problem with Garage was there was no urgency for the older acts to make new music because they're still working every week, and you can't really blame like I you can't blame them because I you know if you if you're getting three or four gigs a week, which these people are, and getting paid good money. You don't need to go in and make a new tune. Like there's, there's no need to, to get that hustle bustle. So that that's it never disappeared. It's always been around. But we were like, there was people on the thing. There was Smokey Bubble and B at the time, Mind of a Dragon, Conductor. Those people were all about. It was sm like small thing, and, it's, and we were like, we just want to start a label because there wasn't really 
a label at the time. So we had Selector, Black Habit, Fawn, and ourselves, and just thought, let's have you know, let's have a go at it and try and go in like, it's, yeah, it's got now it's thriving like it's gone to all sorts of new levels. Conductors winning awards and it's, you know we've got producers from all around the world on the label. It's it's incredible. So let's talk about the guest mix. Um, yeah. Because that was you sharing and exclusively premiering, in some cases, um, the new music coming from the label, Garage Shares and GS Dubs, which is like the affiliate label. Um, you started off uh, with a track from Vital Techniques. Uh, you had Selector stuff in there. You had Tough Culture stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Just talk to me about some of the tracks in there, um, wh uh, what label they're coming out on excited about the artist etc um well what, what i'm excited about is we should have done i should really have done this every year i'd love to have gone back to compare what the mix is worth coming out next year because the quad eyes we've never done it before i've never just mixed all the label stuff together on purpose like that and i left out probably you have to i probably left out about 20 odd tracks that artists will probably see as their bigger records that they want to hold back for some reason. So that's not even the best. It's, there's some great records on there, but there's there's better ones to come. There's some artists that, that aren't even on there because they want to wait for their promo campaign to start. So I was just excited about the quality of the producers, the quality of the music, the quality of the thing, and just the quality of Garage all around. That's like, because because Garage is such a strong place and because now there's there's other great labels, the quality of the the producers gone up, the music goes up, and that's what we wanted when we started it. So to hear that, to hear the good shape that UK Garage is in, was was the best bit of the mix for me. So you've got a, a whole Garage Head roster now, and yep. you've got some of the biggest names. Selector was top five selling artists on Beatport last year. Uh, Black Habit, Tough Culture, some of the scenes like veterans and biggest and best. Talk to me about some of the up-and-comers that you've got as well. Who should we be looking out for and listening out for this year? Just about to drop a ones to watch EP. Um, which everyone should check out. There's five people on there. We say so we're starting to get people from all across the world. Um, Prozac obviously come up last year. He's he's fantastic. He's done stuff on Kiwi. He's incredible. Um, on our label, like. On our label, it's all the like are the big because it's time for them to to level up. I think like Selector's new one, We Know Speak London, is haven't even started promoting it yet. And Target is playing it. It's been playing on Radio One, One Extra, Kiss. It's getting hammered already on the radio stations. It hasn't even come out. So that could be potentially one of the biggest garage records. And I know that we've got bigger, bigger garage records than that in the tuck no disrespect to that record but he's got bigger records than that coming you know we've got we've got we've got also we've signed uh an mc who's going to release music like exclusively exclusively yeah like we we want to move into artists so we've got the best producers we want the best producers some of the best producers we want these producers to see what they come up with producing garage i think the only thing that garage is missing now that it didn't have 
the only thing that's missing now that it had back then is the artist. There was like Miss Dynamite, there was Craig David, So Solid Crew, all these incredible artists and the producers. There's there hasn't been the artists. There's people that did obviously dip in and do the odd one, but there's not really anyone that's like owning it. So hopefully we can help trigger that or it, you know inspire people to to come back and start making garage from a sort of label management point of view because i think it's something that lots of producers who are kind of new to scene don't don't know about and may be interested in is uh you have your artists who are exclusive to the label and so you have to manage them what's it like dealing with all those different artists different personalities different egos in many cases do you find that a, ta- a challenging task um we have like labels like Yosh Pit, which you've re- released on and stuff. Which is when we when we well, so we're doing that dubstep phase. Um, we were making dubstep and not getting anywhere. No one replied to anything. No other thing. We'd have records that would like so used to DJs. So the records used to get good response in clubs. Even had some ones that did some fairly big numbers on YouTube and stuff. And no one would reply and. Mr. Jam did this review show when they reviewed dubstep and John sort of got angry and messaged Mr. Jam and said, well, listen to our fucking dubstep record. Like, why is it got... And Mr. Jam actually took the time and replied and told us why he wasn't playing our record. And I was like, that's the first time anyone's ever helped us. And, like, we learned so much from it. And I was like, if we ever get somewhere, we're going to help people. We're going to help people. So this, for example, Yosh Pit is a label where we, if we can hear you've you got, you know, talent... Like, we work with Tengu. Tengu can help with mix downs and stuff. We, we Tutorials. Help you get to your music up to a level to release it. Then release it, and then we can see, you know, how the music reacts, how they are on socials, how the thing, and, and start their journey, because we have no idea how to start our journey. People could listen to our music, say it was good, and do absolutely nothing to help us. So we listen to people's music. We know it's good, and we can start their journey. And then we work with them for a year. Within a year... You kind of get get to know a person, get to think and know which ones are going to be, um, which ones you're going to work with and stuff. So we don't really have that sort of thing where you the people we've worked with and we work with exclusively and we work with like where we speak to them every single day, we've worked with for at least a year, two years. So you know you know what they want. They know, you know what they want from you. You want from them. And you just kind of have a, an understanding of what everyone wants, so that makes it that makes it easier. But I think you know when you first start working with someone, there's like kind of a, you're feeling each other out and what's things. So we we usually spend a year running on those labels and releasing until we go up to okay, right, let's 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 push it to the next level. Yeah. So Garage Shed now is one of, if not the biggest garage label in the scene, in my opinion. Thank you. Kiwi's the biggest, but we're, we're up there. Yosh um, is slightly different, obviously different genre. Um, and there are, from my understanding, a lot more bass labels and it's a lot more competitive. Whereas Kiwi and Garage Shed may stand out as the top ones. There are a lot more in the bass scene which are at a similar level. Yeah. So how are you trying to push that label to well, be... We st- we started Josh because we had to, like we almost had a record deal. For f- I'm sorry, as I said before, it fell through. But we put all our money into that. I'm sorry, record literally tens of thousands of pounds to try and get it signed. And obviously, if you get it signed, we get the money back. If you don't, you don't. 
So we had that, and we were we making records and getting offered record deals, and they were rubbish. Or I could see they were rubbish. So we signed a couple just to see what labels did, and I just thought we can do this ourselves. So we did it to start just to release our own music, and we got a distribution deal, which gave us a little bit of money to start. And that's how we start. We never wanted to start a record. We never thought being Josh was like my friend Alistair from Artful Dodger. That's how we say hello to each other. We just say Josh. That's how we say. So it's literally it's just by chance. And then we just signed people we like. And people would come to us because the market was good or they liked the music, the thing. And then we started this released music. So we never really had this is where this label was going to go. This is where it's going to be. It's like, okay, we like Jay Faded. We'll release him. And then like Jay Faded just goes like this. And we like Tengu. We're going to release him. And that's the plan. So the plan with it for now is, the plan now is to make it a place where artists can develop and grow. We can help them. Because there is, there is lots of them, but we can give, with Yosh Pit, we can give people their first releases. And if they go well, then we can move them up to Yosh. So it's kind of to help on the artist journey. And as I say, help with mix downs, help with tutorials, help artists grow, because that's what we were always lacking. And if someone would have done this for us, I wouldn't be so old sat here talking to you about this. I would be retired, maybe. Because <laughs> no one helps us. But it's, it's true, like, people people would have helped us and we would have been in a different position a long time ago but no one did and no one you know no no one wants to help so we made sure that our company is set up literally every label for every genre is set up to help someone yeah i get the feeling with i mean josh i know that josh used to just be a phrase that you said and everything you've started has been with your friends and there's a real sort of sense of like community in that and I think you also have that sort of outlook to Southampton, the city that you're from. Mm-hmm. Why do you sort of feel so strongly about like how you are in your community? And because when when we worked in the record, when I worked in the record shop and worked with James Abila and John Doe, who's John for four, a guy called Feature Cast, who's a massive breaks producer, and then DJ Hixie owned it. And then DJ Brisk would come and use the studio upstairs. All these people just in Southampton. I was looking around like Alan Fitzpatrick used to buy records. He was called, I think he was called the Test Tube Babies. He used to make Hard House. But like all this talent used to come in and he used to think like, he used to think why is the owner of this record shop not doing something to try and bring all these people together and try and create this scene? And I've always been told throughout my music career that I have to move to London to make something and I did move to London to to do it um to get the distribution deal but I want people to come here I want to one of our goals is once we release a series of albums that we're going to release for you know for an artist to come here to to make an album like they would come come to London travel thing I don't I don't want people to travel out of here like there's so many great artists come out of here come from here and go feel like they have to go to London have to be there and yeah it's, you have to go to London you, know, you can't avoid it but there's like a 10 minute walk is Jojo F who's produced like 6 or 7 top 40 records in the last 2 years down that way and then um, I think Alan Fitzpatrick's offices and stuff are about 10 metres 10 minutes that way that's just in this street uh, there's a studio upstairs from a different company like it's this Southampton's got it. It's just no one's, no one's helped harness it. So 
That's so why do you think that Southampton has kind of been underrepresented? Is that just because of the stereotype that everyone should do, go to London? Yeah, everyone's doing what they everyone's doing what they're told because you do you do what you're told to try and get what you want. You know, if someone says to you move to London, you move to London because you you want to do everything you can because this is people's dreams. This is our dream. So that's always been our our thing, and people will do whatever they they feel they need to to get there. But we like it's going to be harder. And it is probably is harder to do this stuff ourselves. If we go, if you go to a label with a following and a thing, and you're part of something that's already going, it's going to be easier to start something ourselves. But this is bigger than uh, this is bigger than us. This is this is artists in Southampton going. Okay, we we can go to them, and they can help us do this and help us do that. We just done a uh, Sounds of Southampton album, where we got it into charts, and that was giving artists their first chance to release their first music video, their first photo shoots, their first this. Like, no one was there to give us the first anything. And as I say, like, I would be a lot a lot younger. Like, I would have had, you know, success a lot younger if someone would have helped. Not, you know, I'm just a bit gutted that I'm getting old, I suppose. But, but we also, we, we meet with the council and stuff because we want to change music education so people can find out about the business of it. And, uh, you know what I mean? It's great to learn to play the keyboard and stuff but once you come out and you need to try and make money and do stuff in that's the real education in music you need because people don't know how to do it it's, you know let's that's and nowadays we it's so easy to release your own music that's what needs to be taught i don't know the exact facts behind this so correct me if i'm wrong but southampton are going for city of culture that's right yeah 2021 or 2025 uh, are you much involved with that then? Yeah, that's part. That's part of what oh. that album is, and uh, Tyrone's really involved in it. He's done the videos. They put his picture on a bench. Like we we have meetings because you know we are like we are a big part of culture in Southampton. We're like from the you know we want to release it all sorts of music from Southampton and put we were putting on events and giving young people a platform to perform. A, p- a platform to release music so yeah we 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 are in we're involved in that and yeah we really hope that that's something that we can help bring to the city so the way you talk bringing through all these artists and helping develop these pre-established artists dare i ask does that mean that there won't be much more gavin ford music coming out no i've i've done uh, a whole album in lockdown um I just want want to get the fourth single out first, but I don't know if I don't know if that's going to be possible to get the four because the four, you know, fours are our baby. This is the reason why all of this is here and why we can help. So, but yeah, like we were writing a four album before lockdown. Lockdown come and stopped that. The first song I made, moved all the studio to my house. The first song we did in lockdown just didn't sound anything like the rest of the album. So I thought, you know, we'll wait, and also like. It's it's a it's a group thing, so we can't all be in the same room. It's it's you know the energy. Maybe that's what the energy's off. It just didn't. Feel, it's, a, it's an amazing record. So I didn't do any music for ages, and then I mean this thing's depressing. This whole situation is depressing. Like our we had tours of Australia, but New Zealand, but things are cancelled. Like that, like life goals. So I made started making music just to distract myself from what was going on. And that's what's become a Gavin Fall down. But there's some songs on it that are five years old. 
that I want I've always wanted to do a project called Forkestra, which is it's more music to listen to. It's all live musicians and all the parts recorded. And I started it five years ago. It was always meant to be for second album, but because we still haven't released the first album, it's now just become my album because it's the way we work is we start ideas and then we all come together to finish them. So those are all ideas I've started. And because we've never got to the second album, we've never got together to work on them. So just started finishing them myself and hope it might come out this year basically it's but it's a solo album mm-hmm. is it a mix of all the different styles you've done across the years or have you just chosen it, one style to fuck it's pretty much it's all garage music all garage but it's not it's not very it's my it's all sounds like three words i guess it's like so it's all so full song driven so you'd rather them follow like a, a more traditional song structure than build up drop build up drop sort of thing. yeah we do i really struggle to make music that isn't structured in a song like if if there's no vocals in it, like it takes us forever. Like where we can do, we can we when we were doing the album before lockdown, there was one day where we wrote and recorded four songs in one day. Like we can power through. Like just we just understand it. But if you were like, just do a tune that builds up and drops. If for some reason it's we just does not. Do you have any sort of um, classical music theory background or anything like that, or is it no, just all passion? None of us do. No. I mean, I start, I've taught myself to, in lockdown, I've taught myself um, expressions to help communicate to the musicians that I work with on my album what I want because, because they're like, they're geniuses and I'm not. And like, you try and say, oh, you know, a bit like this and it just wasn't getting there. So I've taught myself certain phrases to go, okay, what I need is something that's, this, this, that, and, the, and a third, and they go, oh, okay, I completely understand what you mean now, where before I'm going, like, you know, it's like you're talking a different language, so, but no, no. On the album, I assume there's going to be some Southampton representation as well. On the Gavin Ford album, and the Four album, yeah, it's all, it's like, I, I've always wanted to do, like the first Artful Dodger album, where it's, it's vocalists that aren't known, but they're great. That's always been the goal for, the first four album, but it's it's because now it's the albums are being written simultaneously. Yeah. It's the goal for both. So, so we can all be happy that there will be more four and Gavin four music in the future. Yeah, there's there'll be loads as soon as as soon as we can, as soon as we physically can. Good. So I'm gonna switch it up a bit. Yeah. Um, maybe just to get a title. Um, but you have quite a famous friend. Yeah. In ex Geordie Shaw star Vicky Patterson. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a story that I've heard before, which I'd love for you to tell again, and I think it involves you, a suitcase, and I want to say an Elton John costume, or was it an Elvis <laughs> costume? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, uh, we were filming for Vicky's TV show, and she was she she lived in a hotel for like maybe even two years. You know, she didn't have a place in London, and she's moving house. <laughs> she was moving house and basically I helped her pack the Elton John thing I don't even know how you know that I don't know where I put it uh, there might have been a picture or something yeah but I was just dressing up in her clothes Not that it's not something I do wear women's clothes just on that day I did but I found an outfit that looked like Elton John I thought it looked good so I did that and then helped her move but then as we as we left the car park basically there's like paparazzi everywhere and they're at the side of the thing so we couldn't 
we couldn't go straight to where she'd moving to because then they'd know where she lived. So we were driving, and it was it was it's it's horrible experience because obviously she's so upset that like they've like it's horrible. It's a horrible thing, paparazzi and stuff. That sort of that level of it that you're being tailed. So we had to pull into a hotel, like we're going to go into a hotel. Pulled into the hotel, try to lose them, and then they just waited outside. They just plotted outside. So we're like, fucked, we don't know what we're going to do here. So we put her in the suitcase. <laughs> we emptied the suitcase, put her in it, wheeled her out, and <laughs> put her in the back of in the back of a, a cab. That's amazing. And, yeah, she drove to a shopping centre and then got out. Yeah, it worked. You have a really good friendship, though. How how does someone from down south become such good friends with someone who lives all the way up in the northeast? Just, we, I DJ'd when I was doing the student gigs. I DJ'd at our first ever live PA in Southampton. It was like A-level results, and no no one came. I think the show had only been on TV for like a week. It was a crazy booking to book someone on a TV show that hadn't even really been on TV. So no one really came. And, yeah, we just got talking, and then just you know been friends ever since she's like my she's like my sister we've known it's just like 10 years ago like we we speak every day like she's uh yeah she's an amazing influence i don't think we would be here with, without us to be honest that's great yeah that's amazing um Thanks for telling that story. Even it's, right. it's a bit off topic to arrest. It's right, yeah. I, I panicked about. about the Elton John thing. I just I don't remember putting <laughs> it up, but yeah. Um, I got us more just generic sort of questions as we come to the end. Um, do you remember your first time DJing your first show? Yeah, it was at a club called The Beach. Do you remember The Beach? It had a fucking speedboat as a DJ booth, <laughs> <laughs> and John drove down. John's always lived like. He likes to live out in the country, but he drove down to surprise and watch me. Uh, it was a, for a night called Debauchery. Do you remember Debauchery? Yeah. It was a hard house night. Right. And, yeah. Uh, shout out James Rostance. <laughs> he was the promoter. He put me on. And that was the first... I feel like that was the first gig. Like, in a club. Yeah, that was the first gig in a club. Yeah, and I can like, had the record, the order sorted and, like, yeah, it was, it was all plain sailing, though. No horror stories of. There was there was one horror, <laughs> not from that gig, but from another one. We <laughs> we played at a club. I think it was called Breezers. Was it Breezers in it yeah. in Eastleigh on the on the on the on the roundabout? And my friend uh, Alex Chert and MC Technique or Uncle Mike Nitro, as he's now called, his album's out soon. Uncle Mike Nitro, go get that. He was emceeing and we were DJing, but it was like in a glass room, so you couldn't hear the crowd. And I always have always DJed and gone across genres, always, even when it was vinyl. And I was playing a trance record, and I um, tried to mix in Daniel Benenfield into this trance record. And Daniel Benenfield was like a test press, so it was <laughs> tried to mix this dum dum. Mix it in, like, mix it in. I've looked up after I've got it in, because I've done it. The whole dance floor is fucked off, but I can't see, because I've looked up, looked up for admiration. The whole dance floor is gone. Then loads of fluff's got a needle, and it's just gone. So I've cleared the dance floor, then the needle's gone. And then I've just, Alex still takes a piss out of me for it now. 
But I've made, like, I've DJed so much for so many years, I've made every single, like, every single mistake. Like, when people ask about getting nervous, I think, or I got nervous in Andy C time, but there's nothing because everything has gone wrong. Absolutely every, everything that can go wrong DJing has happened to me. Unplugging so I'm just used the to wrong it. USBs. Unplugging the USB. I've, like, in the, in the vinyl days, obviously you have to pick the record, get the next record, and I've, like, been talking, the music stopped, and there's been no vinyl on. So I've pressed play on the CD player just because I saw a CD was in there and it was Michael Jackson beat it, but halfway through. (laughs) 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 It was like, it sounded fucking mental. (laughs) But yeah, like literally like, um, we we did, um, we used to play, me and Aki used to play, I keep looking back at Aki, by the way, for everyone watching. We used to play at a place called Seymour's. It's like a small bar there. We used to do, um, (laughs) <laughs> he used to DJ there and it used to be an early set and a and a late set and it's like a it's like a real small bar it can't be more than a hundred people can it and it's like a long corridor he used to de- there used to be this guy that used to DJ as well but he was a fucking helmet you know what I'm talking about yeah. and I I'm still quite bad for being late to things a little bit late I've turned up <laughs> to DJ he's just fucking gone See me, just pull, pulled out everything, unplugged everything, stopped. It was just a Serato day, so I had to take out the box thing. Well, people just abusing me, blaming me. The owner's come over and gone, rest in peace, Colin. He's come over like, what the fuck's going on? The geezer's gone. I've gone, mate, stop it. It's like the geezer's just gone. He's just left me to a barrage of abuse when I'm trying to set this laptop up, get the thing, you got to do the plug-in. He had the worst DJ booth. It was DJ equipment from like 1975, so it wasn't easy to set up anyway. Oh, that that was one I remember. I can remember like just you just stood there whilst a, a room of like because Seymour's like obviously uh, I used to love Seymour's. It used to be, you know, used to be, but you know, not the nicest people. So you can imagine quite intimidating to be just yeah, just to be literally stood there trying to set up. Obviously, you get like um, <laughs> I was going to call it Mark Hughes head. We always call it Mark Hughes head when. Well, I can't remember what club Mark Hughes was manager of, but we used to say, imagine his head. I think he was having a really bad time. Like, you, well, that's what we always call it. You know, when you're just, you're just like, fuck, it's going wrong. And you're trying to sort it out and you're just sort of sweating. And like, that was, yeah, that was, that was a bad one. So yeah, there's, there's nothing really, I fear, I've fallen off, <laughs> I fell off stage at Isle of Wight with Jacob's skills and bass boy. Yeah, you stop, stop the music a million times. We've taken the USB out, but we've done the Isle of Wight Festival. Like, we played the Isle of Wight Festival one year to, like, 30 people. Then the next year, 300. Then we've done it, like, 12. We were, like, real big on the Isle of Wight for some for some reason. I love the Isle of Wight. We did this gig. We finished, and then all these people want photos at the front. And it's like a stage. And I've pointed to the geese. I've gone, oh, how do I get down? He's gone, oh, I just jumped down. But I've jumped down onto this, you know, those carts, those boxes where they move things. So it's got wheels on it. So I've jumped on it and the wheels have just gone like that and I've just, in front of a whole crowd, how there's not a video of it, <laughs> how there's not a video of it, I don't know. But like, yeah, I could have been fucking, I could have been fucked then. <laughs> but yeah, like literally absolutely anything you can think of has happened. So it's yeah. got to be reassuring to anyone listening who's uh, not DJed before and might be worried about what could go wrong and... Yeah, it's going to happen. Like everything, you know, it's just get it out of the way. Like everything, it's like... It's like anything, you've just got to keep going and get through it and these these things. But to be honest, like, 
I, I don't think many people notice, like, I've had things where I've, you know, I've made, mis- I feel like I've made mistakes and I've sort of, we played, <laughs> we played one gig in Amsterdam uh, for the Friends of Four Tour and we did four dates for the, because everything's poor, we did four dates, we did Southampton, Bournemouth, London and Amsterdam, pulled out to this club in Amsterdam, this club was in the middle of nowhere and there was no people around and I was like, fuck's sake. Like, we've come to Amsterdam too quick. Like, that was being turned up. It was f- rammed. But I don't know if you... Have you been to Amsterdam? Yeah. Have you been to a club in Amsterdam? Yep. Basically, everyone's stoned. Well, this is what I put it down to. So whenever you DJ in Amsterdam, like, apart from ADE, because it's people coming in, like, it's locals, they're quite relaxed. It's like, come, so I'm DJing, I'm going, hammer tongs, we had Effie with us, she performed. And it looked like the crowd just weren't having it. And I was like... Oh, sake kind of Amsterdam got all these people and there's a, a DJ called Vato, Vato Gonzalez watching he's like there to come to see us to book us for things and he's like amazing producer one of our hero, like heroes and I'm like fuck's sake so we're finished and I've come, he's come up to me and he's gone man I've never seen an Amsterdam crowd go that mad <laughs> because you absolutely smashed it and I thought is this geezer taking the piss out of me <laughs> like I didn't think they moved and I was like yeah, and he goes, yeah, man, I, can't, I can't, can't believe it. I've never seen a crowd go that wild. And he was being serious, and I was like, well, I thought they were, I thought they hated it. But, yeah, like, people don't, you can think your thing, and you can make a mistake, and people don't notice, yeah. People notice when that guy pulled out all the system, obviously, because it went quiet. But, <laughs> you know, unless things go real quiet for a real long time, you're pretty much safe, DJs. What about um, highlight shows, or just out of a, obviously the course light thing we said, uh, playing Andy after Andy C. We did a, sh- a Schwire, which was amazing experience. Like they, because they pick you up in these cars and they go take you to restaurants and you have all the money to spend at like, this amazing restaurant. And there's a green room. We have your own sofa, and it was us and Tiny Temper, Lethal Bizzle, and Chipmunk, and James Hype, and everyone's in this thing and room, and they give you all the drink and the bars free. They just treat you like superstars. So like. That's good from a superstar point of view. Played amnesia. That was like mental. You never th- just never think we're going to do any of these things. Boomtown was mental. That Isle of Wight gig I talked about, the Isle of Wight festival was one of the best days of my life. I for- I for- the but the the best I think the, the, we did um, Pier Jam in Blackpool. Yeah, and we had a gig in like Plymouth the day before, so it's like couldn't be further away. Drove all the way. And obviously, Pier Jam's on a pier. As we get into Blackpool, it just starts really, really raining. It's like fucking it down with rain. And we're getting messages like, no one's on this pier because it's raining. Which makes, And we're like, fucking hell, we've just gone six hours. Like, yeah. really wanted to do Pier Jam. Like, gutted. And like, literally pulled up, parked, it's raining, go through the thing. We go through this, you go through like a building and you come out the side, come out the side of the building and it stopped raining. And literally it's just filled up literally as we've gone on and we played and it was one of the best sets we've ever played. And so it filled up as you got there really. Literally yeah. we, it was, when we got there it was still raining, we were still fucked and we walked through like a building and then the, as we walked out the building the other side, the sun come out, filled back up. By the time we went on it was full. It was one of the best sets we've ever done. That's how... 
we got our manager off the back of that gig. We got so many amnesia come off the back of that gig. How well we did, it's like, so that was like uh, for everything for the the story leading up to it, what led of it, the set that that's one that's that's a, that's a special one. But we've had we've been very lucky to have so many special experiences that I never thought we'd have. I never thought we we'd get to this stage. Have you got any uh, either venues or cities that you are on your bucket list that you haven't managed to tick off? We've done, we've done Detonate Festival in Nottingham, but never actually played Nottingham. Any of the cl- like, I don't. I've always wanted to do Nottingham. Um, uh, I can. We've always wanted to do Fabric. Yeah, uh, we've we've we cover quite. You know, we've done. We've done well. I like we Australia is Australia is the goal, and we had it last uh, COVID. Like the the COVID come the week we're going to announce the tour. Like that's been that's been my goal for for as long as I can remember. So that's that's the thing. So that touch wood, we can get that back on. Yeah, hopefully you'll be able to get there then once this is all over. Yeah, once this thing's done, hopefully we can get that back going. Aside from uh, garage and drum and bass and bass line, um, do you listen to any other sort of music? Just casually? I don't listen to any of that music. Oh really? No, I listen to like Jasmine Sullivan album or the Macairs. That's what I'm listening to at the moment. Macairs, Saint John. I like R and B and soul music, which probably comes from why we like the, the the connection to songs and vocals because that's all I listen to. I don't like. I've started a thing again in learning so much about production techniques. Now I don't listen to our music. Listen to. I don't mind listening to music we've done, but I don't listen to anything I'm working on. So when I come back to it, you come to it. If I don't get u- so I don't get used to it. I used to listen to things over and over again and like get demoitis where you come back and oh, it doesn't sound as good as it did. Where now I've s- literally, as soon as it's finished, don't listen to it again. And then when you come in, you can go, oh, that bit's too long, or that's ro- that bit's not right, and that bit's not right. So that's so yeah, I don't listen to, and I try not to listen to any. Obviously, we listen to music for the label to, and to DJ. Like I go through things. I have sort of sets things where I go, oh, am I good? what would I DJ, what's good for the label, but I don't want our music to sound like anyone else, so I don't want to be influenced by anyone. So it's, you know, it's easy to hear something and and subconsciously take it on board and do it, so I try not to listen to, to overly listen to any music like that. Not that I don't like it, just it's all a uh, creative thing. So I've got three more questions. Um, first one is... Which song do you wish you made? Oh, that's a good one. What, any song? Any song. We do one within the genre. Aki, feel the rush. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was singing it earlier. That's what. One song that I wish I made. If we do one within your genres and then just one of all time. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that's I should have been. Should have been. I wish I made. Fuck. I, I. You narrow it down to maybe a garage anthem or something. A garage yeah. record. Yeah. Gabrielle would be the one. Would be the one that it, the orchestra idea became because we did a live version of you, you could it's on YouTube if you search Gabriel Four Percent Orchestra 
we did a live version of Gabrielle with musicians. It was the first thing ever done, and that's where the orchestra idea come from. So that record, and that record probably, obviously it's an amazing record, but it's probably closest to what what I make as Gavin Ford. The two records I've put out aren't a reflection of what I make. Actually, they were, because they were ones that would work in a club that was the, the idea was we're given the club here and what people expect and then actually ease them into the album. But that's, yeah, that sort of live instrumentation and stuff, that's that's close to what I'd make anyway. So that would be a garage yeah, record that yeah. I'd always want to make. Anyone who follows you on social media will know that you have two loves in life and they are chocolate orange and peanut butter. Yeah. You know what I'm going to ask? If you only have one. Chocolate orange. No, there was not even a hesitation there. No. no. Peanut butter is a new thing. I've I've only been into it like the last year and a half, two years. I've only just discovered it. So easy come, easy go. A chalky orange boy. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) Well, I'll say thank you for coming on and thank you for the mix again. Thank you for having me. Um, And I'll tell everyone to like and subscribe and comment and let me know who you want uh, to feature on the podcast next. Uh, And I'll finish with this question, which would be one bit of advice to give to your sixteen-year-old self. (laughs) Um, don't 16 year old I don't know like I I don't think I do like I don't think I would do anything different like if I was to go back and I think everything happens for a reason so I don't think I'll go back but I think what I advice I give to other people that are 16 (laughs) Changing the question, but go for it. Well, because I, I, I wouldn't give my... Like, I think, you know... I think I, I would have... My advice would probably be to myself would be to believe in my, and to believe in myself more and to actually, like, just go out and do it because when we started going out and doing it for ourselves, when it's all sort of come about, um, we were looking for help and looking for endorsement and people to sort of put us on, which, you know, is great and stuff, but we didn't get it and I go down about it, but if we would have believed in what we were doing, when we did CLSM, we we got hardcore onto Radio 1, got a hardcore show. That was our belief and our thing. And I lost that belief and I lost that confidence in that break. So if I could tell myself is don't, is keep the confidence that you have now because it's, took this, it's, ta- it's taken up into the course light advert to go, actually, our music must be quite good. Because, like, you know, all these streams and stuff, whatever, you just think... You don't think it's good until you get sort of sign off like that. So keep the confidence. My advice to sixteen-year-olds is enjoy. I've been thinking about this a lot. Whilst we can't release music and all these record deals, is enjoy like enjoy the start of it. Enjoy the the first radio play, the first time a DJ plays it, the first like that's the you know enjoy uh, the journey because that's the best bit. Once you get to this stage where you're having record deals fall through, and you're trying to get clearance for this and clearance for that or you're waiting for the right time to do a music video all that stuff like it's, it's all great and i love it but like the best the best feelings are that first time you get this and the first time you do that so yeah enjoy the journey and don't and be patient there's no rush these things this this game takes ages there's no shortcuts so yeah enjoy the journey in every every moment yeah that's a great message to finish on i think um once again, thanks for coming on. Once again, like, subscribe, share, comment. Um, the Gavin Ford Face Hive guest mix is out now 
I will link that in the description. Um, thank you for all supporting it so far, and we'll see you on the next pod. What up?